Hello and welcome to Adam Analyzes. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. So hopefully everybody out there is doing all right. I myself took off about two weeks and one of those reasons was I was out of town for a few days and also I was busy catching up on work. So here I am, I'm back and I'm ready to start recording some more episodes. And outside of my little sidestep of recording the Titanic 25th anniversary, which of course was released in 3D, I thought it would be fun to continue the streak of doing some horror films. If you are a longtime listener, you will know that this podcast originally started as an offshoot of Inner Honest Opinion, where I was hosting my own show, and that was a yearly podcast of 31 Nights of Frights, where I decided I wanted to do it year-round, and that is how we arrived at Adam Analyzes, which is a podcast that I didn't want to specifically focus on horror, which is why I usually try to limit my horror films that I cover because of 31 Nights of Frights. But honestly, it seems like I've been on a horror movie kick lately, so let's continue. So I think it's time we announce tonight's film. Starring Jeffrey Combs, Bruce Abbott, Claude Earl Jones, Fabiana Udinio, David Gale, and Kathleen Kinemott. In the 1990 Brian Usna directed Bride of Reanimator. Picking up just a short time after the events of the first reanimator film, Dr. Herbert West and Dr. Dan Kane are continuing their research of resurrecting the dead using the reagent serum, which was developed by Dr. Herbert West, and as we know from the first film, it led to some pretty led to some pretty wild events with a lot of reanimated bodies left in the wake of these crazy experiments from the two doctors. Both return to Miskatonic Hospital, where somehow it seems like all is forgiven. We'll get back to that in a little bit. It doesn't take long for things to go bad for these two doctors, as they are still continuing to do their experiments, even though they know the outcome. But they think that they might be right on the cusp of solving it. But they also have a detective hot on their heels who has an interesting tie to the Miskatonic Massacre, as they call it. When Dan Kane's patient dies, it allows them to possibly recreate his former love interest, Meg, from the first film using her heart, and they're going to set out to build the perfect woman. Oh yeah, I almost forgot to mention, Dr. Hill from the first film, played by David Gale, is also back, which I don't even know how that's possible, but... But hey, let's go and suspend disbelief, you know, since we're talking about a film that involves reanimating corpses using a serum. Anyway, I think that's enough of a plot synopsis. Yes, there's a lot of other things going on, and I feel like this movie maybe has a little bit too much going on, and yet it somehow drags a little bit towards the middle portions and end of the film. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that this movie would be a waste of your time as there is a lot of fun moments throughout. It's just not as good as the first film, which may be a near-perfect horror comedy, specifically because it doesn't really play up a lot of the comedic moments. 
There's a lot of things in Bride of Reanimator that are quite simply not as good as the first film. Even the comedic moments don't really have the same impact as what the first film did. However, it still remains a fun film, which I think is a true testament to the team of Jeffrey Combs and Bruce Abbott as Herbert West and Dan Kane. What we're getting here as the viewer is just further adventures of West and Kane, and it honestly works just based off of the chemistry between these two leads. Considering that this was made a couple of years after the first film, honestly, Jeffrey Combs and Bruce Abbott pick up like there was no time between sequels, which is a great thing. It shows on screen. In a lot of ways, while this is an inferior sequel to the original, it's also a very good sequel, and it's thanks to our two leads. Bride of Reanimator is also a film that is one of the early movies for K&B effects, which as we know, they've grown into being some of the best around at providing awesome practical effects, and they've worked on movies like this as well as some Oscar winners as well. So this is very much a blood-soaked sequel that really makes you wait till the end of the film to get to that moment, which honestly the first one kind of did as well. If there's one really big gripe about this one is that the shocking moments are not nearly as shocking as some of the scenes in the first film, and I'm sure you know what I'm getting at. If you have seen the first Reanimator, of course, and if you haven't, then I highly recommend you check it out. But we also have a returning character that I wasn't expecting as well, and that's Dr. Hill. How in the world is he back? His head was completely smashed in the first film. Spoilers if you haven't seen it, but I don't see how they could bring him back, but it is a welcome return because he's still doing his mind control stuff and it's still entertaining to see. It's also mentioned that Dr. Hill was a sideshow attraction for a traveling circus, I believe, and that would have actually been entertaining to see, especially with how his head actually really made it back to the Miskatonic Hospital. Supposedly, those scenes were in the original script, however, they were never filmed, which I guess is okay because it would have added an additional bloat to a film that already feels extended and bloated as it is. And I think the thing about that would be director Brian Usna. That's a director that I really do have a love-hate relationship with because he has made some pretty entertaining films such as the film Society, but it's not great with its direction. And his direction here, he really tries to mimic what Stuart Gordon did before. It's just that with watching this, I can't help but wonder how much better Bride of Reanimator would have been under the direction of Stuart Gordon. Gordon. Brian Usna also directed the third film in the Reanimator series, Beyond Reanimator, which is also worth your time, especially if you're a fan of the characters. However, actor Bruce Abbott is missed from that entry. One of the fun things about Bride of Reanimator is how they do expand the friendship between West and Kane. You do get the feeling that maybe Herbert West himself might have a little bit of a heart for his friend. And you could even go a step further and say that he might actually like him as more than a friend, which is entirely possible. It somewhat gives a little bit of that feeling towards the relationship between both of them. 
But then you could think of it another way in that, well, maybe he's just trying to manipulate this guy because he can't find anybody else to do his dirty work. As it seems like Herbert West himself never really suffers, but instead it's Dan Kane that actually always gets the short end of the stick in this whole thing, mostly because he allows himself to be manipulated. And that's my other issue with this movie as a whole. It seems like there's no consequences for what West and Kane did in the first film. That's fine, but it's a little weird that it would be set at the same hospital and they would manage to get jobs there after they caused so much chaos with reanimating these corpses and essentially turning the people into zombies. Of course, the third film, Beyond Reanimator, takes place in prison, so Herbert West finally goes to prison. It's just one of those things that makes you wonder, what in the world took so long for them to finally catch him, especially when he's working at the same hospital where the first tragedy took place? It honestly doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and it's one of those things that the writers just want you to casually forget or ignore this massive lapse in logic simply because we're watching a film called Reanimator. The other interesting plotline is with the detective. The detective is on to Dr. West and Dr. Kane. However, he never really arrests them, I guess because he has no proof or evidence other than, you know, the fact that West and Kane are in town and working at the same hospital as the first film. But I will say that this subplot with the detective, or as I'm now reading that to correct myself, he's a lieutenant. But either way, his story is kind of interesting because it shows an interesting aspect to the aftermath of the first film. He said about how his wife died and they reanimated her on the night of her death, so it means that his wife would have been one of the ones in the morgue from the first film. She's still alive in this one, and of course she's like any of the other ones that are reanimated, where they kind of have like a idiotic nature about them, and all they are is just angry, in pain, murderous zombies. And honestly, you kind of feel bad for the lieutenant as a whole, but also you don't when you find out more of his story and you find out his wife died at his hands because he was a spousal abuser. So it kind of adds an interesting aspect to this character because you kind of feel bad for the guy that his wife is dead but she's up and walking around and he kind of feels bad but it would kind of be a reminder that she's there because of him. So I would say as a whole it provides a little bit more depth and interesting aspect to the character. That honestly is unexpected. As for the character of the bride herself, it is a shame that actress Barbara Crampton did not return to the role. It would have been nice to see her make a return since we also got David Gale returning as Dr. Hill in addition to Jeffrey Combs and Bruce Abbott returning to the roles of Dr. West as well as Dr. Dan Kane. The bride, who was one of Dan's patients before, whose name was Gloria, she was dying from a terminal illness, and it seems like the character of Dan Kane falls for anybody. Like seriously, he has two romantic relationships in this one, and one of them seems to be with one of his patients. So I guess you're just supposed to think that he's a hopeless romantic and is always looking for love anywhere where it comes to him? I don't know. But as far as the bride herself, it's a cool aspect and also I think it looks pretty good too. The KMB effects on display look great. 
It's just that for a film to be titled Bride of Reanimator, you would have thought this would have figured more into the story, but instead they wait till the end, which I assume is by design so that they can have one of those big shocking moments just like the first one had. It's just not nearly as intense or as shocking as the first film, it's also not as funny. Even with Dr. Hill's head flying around with bat wings. That's a whole nother story and if you watch this one or have seen this one, it's kind of ridiculous, but I expect nothing less from this series. Overall, I think Bride of Reanimator is actually a good sequel. It's wildly uneven. It doesn't come close to the first one, but it really does make a solid effort, and I can't fault the movie for that. It does try to capture that magic of the first movie. It's just that any of the Reanimator sequels, both directed by Brian Usna, never really captured that magic, and I think it's probably because one of those major things was missing from the formula, and that is director Stuart Gordon. I think Bride of Reanimator probably would have been a better sequel at the hand of Stuart Gordon. However, Brian Usna does put forth a really good effort. I believe that Bride of Reanimator originally had a reputation of not being a very good sequel, but I disagree. It's just that I think a lot of people were expecting the same types of things that happened in the first one, instead of trying to do something a little bit different with the formula while still sticking to the roots and general idea of the first film. For me personally, I've seen the first one a lot, and the second one, I haven't seen near as much, and it's mostly because I stayed away knowing that a lot of viewers of this sequel don't really have all that much of a good opinion on it, which is a shame because this is a fun sequel. It more than lives up to the reanimator name, even though it doesn't live up to the first film. For some reason, this one was held back. It was originally made in 1988 and wasn't released until 1990. How and why? I don't know. Overall, this is one that I recommend checking out, especially if you can keep an open mind and just remember that it's not going to live up to the first one, but still be an entertaining way to spend about an hour and a half. I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. If you don't do the whole social media thing, you can drop me an email at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you want to catch up on past episodes, you can do so at adamanalyzes.com. And if you're enjoying my podcast, why not tell a friend about it? Tell two friends for that matter. Or if you have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice, as that'll allow me to reach new listeners as well as continue to create new content. But with that being said, remember to always be kind and good night.